global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cottery. The stock market is extending its sixth weekly advance in two months, pushing the S&P 500 toward a fresh record. U.S. equities are seeing a resurgence in popularity among a few notable constituencies. Bank of America says asset managers are favoring stocks over U.S. Treasuries, while active equity funds are the most bullish since 2008, and that marks a shift in tone from the start of the year. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Dow Industrial Average is up 79 points, four-tenths of a percent, trading at 18,656. S&P 500 up nine points, four-tenths of a percent, to 2,192. The Nasdaq is up 35 points, two-thirds of a percent, trading at 52.67. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil up $1.24 a barrel, 2.8% to 45.73. Spot Gold up $2.50 an ounce to 13.45, and the 10-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds with a yield of 1.55%. And that's the Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Trade, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and building individual economies around the world, or is it just one global economy? Here to tell us more about trade and politics is Dennis Quinn. He is a professor professor of international political economy for Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business, and he joins us from Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, professor Quinn, thank you very much for uh, being with us. You've recently co-authored a study entitled Winners and Losers in International Trade, Effects on U.S. Presidential Voting. Tell us what this research examines and what are some of the conclusions. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the program. I, I, I'm a fan of Bloomberg Radio, so this is very nice to actually be uh, on, on the program. Thank you. My co-authors and I, Brad Jensen and Steve Weymouth, have been interested in a while in what really is an interesting paradox. If you poll the American public on balance, it, it varies on the question, but on balance, most citizens have a pretty favorable view of free trade. But if you look at the current election cycle, you wouldn't know that. So there's there's sort of this almost visceral hostility toward trade. What we tried to do was go, in some sense, under the hood of modern trade politics and look at which sectors which counties, which industries, which firm-level establishments were gaining from trade, especially in international services, which is part of the the topic covered in the Trans-Pacific Partnership, as well as in manufacturing. And our results are pretty straightforward and I think potentially striking. It turns out that counties with high concentrations of low-wage manufacturing, low-skilled manufacturing, have tended to systematically vote against incumbent presidents. Uh, It's clear that trade liberalization is not something that they've been supportive of. In contrast, in those counties with high levels of professional services, tradable services, you've tended to see much more support for the incumbents. Mm. Well, do you think that's – explain why that is, because it's pretty clear why – for one reason why a lot of those low manufacturing jobs are low wage now – it's right. because we allowed a, a lot of competition. It's because we allowed China to peg their currency to the dollar for many, many years. They took advantage of it, and they helped hollow out U.S. manufacturing. Few will dispute that. Uh, so on, this, on the services side, what kind of jobs are benefiting? And is it partly because some of those services jobs can only be done locally, regionally, because you can't really do them over in another country? 
Well, that's a great question, and there really are three parts to this answer. The first is the United States simply has comparative advantage in highly skilled labor, both in manufacturing but especially in services. As a practical matter, we have the kinds of capital capability, firm capability, and, and skill levels that other countries find difficult to compete with. And the kinds of jobs that those are, are in are things like um, architectural services, for instance, or educational services. Think about university education. The United States sets up a lot of international campuses at this point. Uh, the United States is excellent in business and professional services. Think investment banking. Um, journalism. We, uh, a lot of, you, you folks are an internationally traded service and you're very good at what you do. Other countries have a harder time because of freedom of restrictions in competing with you. So there are a lot of things that make the United States extremely good in services. But a, a piece of this, which I have to stress, is that there's also an uneven concentration of this. The services are disproportionately in urban areas, if you will, blue states. And on balance, many of the people who've gained most from trade are in non-swing states, whereas many of the people who've lost most from trade are located in swing states. And so part of what's happened is, is that it's particularly the, the coastal areas, university towns, and other more cosmopolitan places that have gained so much from, from trade, uh, partly because the United States just is excellent at this, and it's often... The, uh, rural areas, think apparel in the American South, or various auto part manufacturers in Ohio that are really, as you say, competing hard against China and sometimes losing. Professor Quinn, uh, Alexander Hamilton, more than just a star on Broadway, he wrote about trade. And one of the things that he came to the conclusion was that in order to help an infant industry, what you need are basic cheap raw materials and protection from foreign competition. Is there any platform in either of the Democrat or the Republican Party that speaks to that issue? You know, the truth is no. Uh, the United States at this point is a very mature economy. And in these so-called infant industries, uh, the United States actually is uh, in nascent emergent technology world class. So you wouldn't be trying to seal off some of our comparative advantage industries, these high-tech emergent industries, because there'll be retaliation against us for sure. So Hamilton's writing at a time when the United States is an agricultural country and a laggard in manufacturing, a laggard in terms of intellectual property. That was a very long time ago. We're now world-class in all sorts of industries. And on balance, the infant industry argument is sound, but it's sound in particular for poorer countries. Your uh, research has found that international trade directly influences presidential elections in the United States, especially in the crucial swing states. Uh, and you are saying this is going to help create a closer election. My first question, part of this would be, uh, what did you find exactly? What is just, you know, distill it down. What is it that the research shows? So one way to think about this is there's something, a very human feature called attribution bias. So if something good happens to me, it's my fault. If something bad happens to you, it's somebody else's fault, not yours. So on balance, what sort of is at play is that people tend to support or blame the incumbent based upon the performance of the economy. And it's 
to a large extent, what has begun to emerge is that the people who've lost from trade have been losing for quite a long time and are quite angry and pretty politically mobilized about this. And so I think you can reasonably expect a fairly close election in a lot of the swing states because President Obama and hence uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton are essentially being held accountable for people's perceptions that their economic circumstances have been adversely affected from trade. And while people do tend to credit the president and the president's party for good economic times, there seems to be quite a bit of evidence that people are much more angry about downturns than they are about upturns. Did that answer your question? Sure. Sure, sure. I bet Pim has another one himself. Well, I was just going to follow up with you talking about the Electoral College, because as part of your conclusion, you say that it provides an incentive to protect the sector of the economy that would be focused on low-skilled manufacturing. That's right. Is that likely to happen? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing in the real world to implement policies to get you there. Well, uh, can I give two levels of answer to Please. that? Uh, the first is, uh, when we're talking swing states, think Iowa, Wisconsin, some of the closely fought battleground states. Those are among the states that have, have suffered. There are other states, South Carolina comes to mind, that are unlikely to be close, but they've also suffered. Uh, I guess I would distinguish between campaign promises and post-election actions. I think it's extremely unlikely that former Secretary of State Clinton uh, – thinks that she's in a position in a close election to take a more pro-trade position. What happens after the election is an entirely different matter. Uh, I think the second level to your question really is, can much be done to help the people who are in the low-skilled manufacturing? And as a practical matter, I think that those jobs are under enormous pressure and no, I don't think those jobs are ever coming back. Uh, Professor Quinn, to what extent then, you've got about 30 seconds to answer this, does Donald Trump's position, he was early out against trade, questioning it, the, the trade deals and everything, to what extent does that give him a boost and maybe still have a, a shot at the White House, even with the polls seeming to move against him in so many states? I think you're right. I think that still does give him a boost because it gives people who are very disappointed about the uh, evolution of U.S. economy in the last 20 years, at a minimum, a protest vote. So I think a lot of people will forgive some of the things that he's saying. Dennis Quinn, thank you so very much. Uh, we want to recommend his study, Winners and Losers of International Trade Effects on U.S. Presidential Voting. He's professor of international political economy at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Kathleen Hayes. My co-host is Pim Fox. Movers and Shakers coming up soon. This is Bloomberg.